Ready? Go. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Hang on! It's off the chart spectacular. Go, go, go! Tom Cruise has outdone himself. The world's coming after you. Stay out of my way. Prepare for one of the best action movies ever made. This is getting exciting. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions and you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. I wanted to thank you for making Barton and Bud such a success. With your listenership, we became one of the most popular college football shows in only eight months. But with Barton gone, we have a lot of holes to fill as a company. One of those is on the Cover 3 podcast. And I'm happy to let you know that I'll be bringing my analysis to the Cover 3 podcast, both in regular appearances and in helping to set the table behind the scenes. We'll also be taking some of your Barton and Bud mailbag questions on Cover 3 since Apple finally updated its review section. We'll be dropping some Cover 3 episodes into this feed for a while, so you can get the feel for it. But please do subscribe to Cover 3 now, because at some point in the future, this feed might get repurposed. Thanks again, guys, and I hope you enjoyed the episode. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Danny Cannell, Chip Patterson, Barton Simmons, and Tom Fernelli. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Tom Fernelli. That's Bud Elliott. I'm Chip Patterson. You see the sirens in your feed. You know the news is breaking, so we're here with an emergency podcast. Yes, we have uh, Jeremy Pruitt out at Tennessee, but that's not all. Athletic Director Phil Fulmer will be retiring, which means, once again, we're back where we were. We need an athletic director, and we need a head football coach for the Tennessee Volunteers and the program that has been chasing the success of 1998 ever since that continues to trip over itself. A lot to get to here, including the investigation, which allowed Tennessee to make this decision to fire with cause. We've got uh, you know, what's next for Jeremy Pruitt? Uh, what happens to this Tennessee program? Uh, and of course, you know, sort of painting the uh, the path forward for the volunteers here in the, the next couple of weeks. Uh, Bud, I'll, I'll throw it to you first because there have been... Uh, like, like Wes Rucker on the 24-7 Sports uh, Network, he was on CBS Sports HQ just a minute ago before me. I was listening to him. You could tell that there was uh, some factions within the Knoxville community that had a desire to move on from Jeremy Pruitt one way or another. Jeremy Pruitt had his supporters as well, 
But as you try to look into what was happening behind the scenes around this Tennessee football program, are you leaning on the investigation side of things or on the on-field performance side of things into what really probably ended up uh, getting Jeremy Pruitt ousted as head coach of the Vols? I mean, I, I don't think you can separate the two. Okay. Personally, right? I mean, you you don't bring in those investigators in, in that law firm if you're trying to see Jeremy Pruitt succeed, right? The way you succeed is by looking the other way for those things that, that are alleged to have happened. Like that's how you win at the highest levels. You bring them in because you want to find dirt to get him to agree to leave with a zero or very low dollar buyout so that you can go make another coaching change. Like things weren't going in the right direction. Jeremy coach or Jeremy Pruitt as a head coach was just he coached he was a head coach who was still a defensive coordinator. His offenses were just pathetic. And it was just, hey, let's run the ball first, second down every time. And Jared Garantano, please bail us out on third and seven. Again, kind of Will Must champion. Luckily, Kirby Smart for the dogs is, is you know, I know it's the dog podcast has kind of, <laughs> uh, you know, kind of gone beyond that now. But I think that these are 100% related. But let's just call for what it is. Tennessee was trying to find dirt so they didn't have to pay Pruitt. Yeah. And the best way, I mean, I, I think it's kind that they're allowing Phil Fulmer to retire, which mm. I think we're all we're all seeing kind of past that one, seeing as how Fulmer is the one who kind of led the the original coup and then brought in Pruitt as his guy. And then now that Pruitt's gone and now, you know, Fulmer's just like, you know what? Hey, you know, while we're at it, I think I've had enough of working. I'm just going to stop. So, yeah, uh, it's Tennessee and Bud's a million percent right. This was they've done all this because somebody decided that they wanted to move on. And it was like, Oh crap. Fulmer just gave him a contract extension a couple months ago. And what's the, the buyout was like, what 12 million on that thing at this point. And it was just like, all right, well we need to do what we need to do in order to mitigate that buyout as much as possible. Because like, let's be real. Like when was the last time we saw a head coach fired because of recruiting violations? Oh, it's a throwback. You know I mean? Yeah, though no, this is a throwback scandal. This is from another era. Like yeah. the the scandals and I, I want to be I want to make sure that I, I don't uh, speak out term here, but like the scandals that we've seen hit on a much deeper and more human level in terms of like societal and like within the infrastructure of the university, like things that uh, do need to be rooted out. Impermissible benefits? Are you kidding me? We haven't seen impermissible bennies as a reason to get rid of a head coach since Chip Kelly was at Oregon. Like I just and that wasn't the reason that he left, obviously, but he did get hit with a show cause because he paid twenty five thousand dollars for some poorly arranged notes right? with a check. <laughs> Remember? Like that was a thing. It was like, like all the SEC people were like, wait, you, you paid with a check? <laughs> yeah, and he, he didn't even do it well. Uh, and so Pac-12 yeah. was still figuring these things out. They were just dipping their toes in the water. Like Oregon was finally becoming a college football power and they were still learning how to go about such things. Yeah, Michael Glazier, as you mentioned, when he shows up to your campus, you're torched. Like you're, you're trying to mitigate things. You're trying to prepare for uh, either lowering a buyout or arranging some kind of negotiation with the NCAA to try and get lesser penalties. The the fact that things turned so quickly on Jeremy Pruitt after being tapped as Phil Fulmer's uh, you know, choice, because we need to remind people, John Curry, current Wake Forest athletic director, had Mike Leach ready to go. And then Phil Fulmer's like, uh, 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 uh. And whether or not Mike Leach, and like, that's even aside from the Shiano stuff, right? Or was John Curry Shiano too? 
Now, Curry was Shiano too, I think. I mean, because Leach was after the Shiano thing. I see this is the part of the Tennessee coaching search that's so confusing. I can't remember what order it was, but I think Shiano was first. Then there was like the uh, the the stop the Shiano protests, <laughs> and that then that became all right. Well, we need to bring in somebody. And like, because I remember thinking at the time, like the fact that they were getting Leach after going through all this seemed like a pretty good move. And then I think that's when Fulmer came in. But my memory could be wrong because there was a lot going on in that coaching search at the time. I think Tom's right. Like, like they they had the reject Shiano thing, and then they went after like John Curry was off trying to get Leach as Fulmer was staging the coup, and and you know let, let's let's bring Tennessee home to to a ten, to a Tennessee guy. And now uh, here and, we are, and uh, Phil Fulmer puts his entire reputation as an athletic director uh, on the line for a. I, I like the way you mentioned it. He is a he is a SEC defensive coordinator who happened to have head coach in his title. A well, a very well-paid SEC defensive coordinator, and, and the Volunteers had good defenses, but they had a losing record, three and seven this season. The what is the like path moving forward, and do you all think that it involves Kevin Steele, who? And, and again, in the palace intrigue in this is fantastic. We find out that Tennessee is on a hiring freeze in the midst of the investigation. We're not going to renew the contract of T. Martin or Brian Niedermeyer. Uh, you know, until we finish everything, we got to tie up all of our loose ends. Then a few days ago, they say, and we are hiring Kevin Steele. We are breaking our hiring freeze to hire the guy who reportedly was in the midst of trying to get his boss fired to get that job over at Auburn. Is Kevin Steele a realistic candidate to be the head coach of Tennessee for the start of 2021? Oh, recognize Koo. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I would bet a lot of money that Kevin Steele is going to be the head coach of Tennessee to start next season. I don't know if it'll be full time yet or if he'll still have the interim title, but I, I think that he was brought in for this exact purpose. Yeah, I, I think they knew what they were doing. I, I and you don't know how long this this search is going to take because they don't have an AD yet. And then you don't know how long the search is really going to take because when that AD gets you know usurped by somebody else who then gets put in his AD, like <laughs> it could take even longer. We, we can get a lot of content out of this, guys. I'm, I'm pretty excited. What's the um, all right, National Signing Day ahead in a couple weeks, and Tennessee has a top ten class. What what are the chance? Like, what does that look like for? Um, like what happens next? How many of those prospects are going to be released? Uh, or and how many? What's the roster turnover going to look like here in the next couple of weeks? Well, I thought I already saw like the top the top recruit in their class kind of gave the deuces on Twitter, didn't he? I believe that was their twenty two kid. Oh, okay for 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 the next cycle. Um, so Tennessee has already signed nineteen of, of their commitments. They only have two kids who are committed but unsigned in, in Rock Taylor and, and Colby Smith. We'll, we'll see what happens. With those guys, they did get uh, Hendon Hooker to transfer mm-hmm. from from the Hokies. We'll Big see Cat Bryant he... too, right? Yeah, but Big Cat's there for Steel. For Steel. Juan <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Morris uh, announced that he, he's transferring out. That Tennessee is losing a lot of guys um, mm. to the portal. Uh, this is this is not really a quick fix job, in, in my opinion. And we'll have to see how many of their kids want to be let out of their letter of intent. I, I wrote this when when Texas fired Tom Herman post signing day. I'm a firm believer. Uh, at the very least, if the head coach you signed with gets fired before you enroll, you should be allowed out of your letter of intent and be allowed to sign with another school or at least have the option to do so. You could always return to your, your school you signed with first if that happens. Uh, but I, you know, I have these coaches saying, oh, just use the transfer portal. Use your free transfer. I'm like, yeah, but to me, that's not an appropriate remedy for schools pulling what effectively amounts to a bait and switch on you, right? You should, you should use your transfer portal one-time waiver 
when you get to a place and figure out it's not for you. And they don't even have that waiver yet anyway. So it's like, you know what I mean? It's so it's right. You know, I, I agree. If, if the coach is hell, even if, if the coach just leaves on his own, it's, I still think that anytime there's a coaching change, especially after signing day and players have committed, they should be out of it. And I just think that should be boilerplate standard practice for every single school. So we're starting to see that a little bit more because players are realizing they have a little more power on social media. Uh, mm-hmm. If you recall, like the Brew McCoy situation there with USC at Texas a couple of years ago, where you're seeing a little bit more. Uh, back when uh, when Baylor fired Art Bryles, you, you had Baylor try to stall for a while and they weren't going to let the kids out. And then the the kind of the, the PR for that was really pretty bad. And Baylor's like, yeah, okay, we're going to reconsider a little bit of this. What, so, what do you think sex for Jeremy Pruitt? Did, uh, did what's his name go to uh, to Texas yet? Um, who, I know he's top candidate. Allegedly. Pete Golding? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, just bring him back to Alabama. There we go. Boom. <laughs> the, the Nick Saban uh, like, re- coaching rehabilitation center is just very ready to welcome Jeremy Pruitt in, somebody who worked as a defensive backs and defensive coordinator, defensive backs coach, defensive coordinator for a very long time and, and came up through the ranks for – because Saban loses, and this is like, we'll, we'll have some of this packaged into into later shows too, but, I mean, Charles Huff is gone, right? You lose uh, Jeff Banks, you lose Kyle Flood, you lose Steve, Steve Sarkeesian, Butch Jones. Am I missing anybody else that's significant, either as a position coach or as an analyst? I mean, I think it was almost a half dozen members of the national championship winning staff are out, leaving Saban with a lot of hires for pretty good job, but... Um, I don't, I don't know. That's, that's a pretty, it's a pretty nice landing spot. I don't know what's going to happen in terms of the, the buyout. Like you mentioned, it could be, could, he could fight this in court and get a low dollar, right? It's $0. Then he could contest it. They could end up settling out of court. Shout out to billable hours as always. Um, but to, to land back at Alabama, especially if you're able to get a position coach job with a decent salary, that's, it's not a bad way for Jeremy Pruitt to be able to uh, get out of Knoxville. Yeah, I, I think Alabama makes a ton of sense for him if that spot comes open because it's like, especially, it makes sense for both sides. A, because Pruitt's going to need a job. And B, Saban's going to be like, all right, well, I already know how this is going to work. <laughs> so it's it, it makes, it's a good fit for him. And I think that makes the most sense. And I think as far as Saban having to replace all those assistants, I mean, that's just kind of becoming standard operating procedure for him, isn't it? Ha! Some of those, felt, like Jeff Banks and Charles Huff felt significant for the recruiting side of things. I mean, bud, am I wrong about that? No, th- those guys are really good recruiters. Uh, I would note that I, I think the hire of Jeff Statlin to come okay. back as the offensive line coach. I remember he was actually hired away by the Philadelphia Eagles after he put together that awesome uh, 2012 offensive line for the Tide. And so then he uh, didn't Cristobal replace him, I think. And mm-hmm. then. Chris, yeah, if that was 2012. Then, yeah, I think that was Cristobal after that. Yeah, I think Statlin was there 2012. He, I, I think he's a very good offensive line coach and, and a good recruiter as well. So. Um, that that's a good replacement in my opinion for, for losing Kyle flood who did an awesome job, albeit with awesome players. Uh, but yeah, uh, a lot of guys for Bama to replace Knoxville is unique. Uh, I like Knoxville. I think going to Neyland stadium is an, a cool experience going out like the, seeing the Vol Navy, seeing a fan base that has packed that stadium out despite 12 years of mediocrity. It's impressive. Like there are some of those places around the country where even though the on-field results haven't been there, even though you haven't been competing for SEC championships, you are still seeing a a real passion around there. 
Tennessee has pretty good facilities. Um, I, I, I'm not good at the facility power ranking uh, and sort of judging it, but there seems to be a lot of investment. There also seems to be a lot of dysfunction. How do y'all view this Tennessee job? I mean, it's, if we think that there's a chance that Kevin Steele might be the head coach, might be a stopgap band-aid, a little bit of a bridge. What about the the bigger picture in the future? Like what's the, what, what is the ceiling for Tennessee under the right coach and how long is it going to take to get there? Do you remember like when Matt Rule took the Baylor job, how he wouldn't do it without a seven-year contract? Mm-hmm. If I'm taking the Tennessee job, I want a seven-year contract because I feel like that's a spot where I think you can still win. I think some of it is still overstated and kind of stuck in 1998 thinking that's really easy to replicate. You just need to get the right coach. And I think that's all true to a degree, but I've just reached the point where this program, where I think that you need somebody to come in there and just like completely tear that thing from the ground up and rebuild it. Like this isn't like a quick move in fixer upper to me. I feel like you've got to tear this thing down to the foundation and start over. And whoever you bring in, you need to give them the time to do it. And like you said, those the quote unquote warring factions within that athletic department, if that's even real or if that's just kind of the way we look at it from the outside, everybody needs to be on the same page. Everybody needs to be pulling the rope in the same direction. So I think you need to find a coach that can do that and be that kind of leader. But then I also think that you need to give that coach the time to do it and really rebuild that program. Because I think that Tennessee has spent too much time just trying to, you know, put a new coat of paint on it, hoping that it'll fix it. And I don't think that's going to work. I I agree with Tom. I I think this is a, a good job, mainly because you are going to get rich, but you're probably (laughs) going to get, I'm serious. Like that's the number one aspect of this job. Like, it's well, not a top called, six I've, job. I've in heard the you SEC. call a job a one contract job before. Is yeah. Is Tennessee a one contract job? Get rich. Tennessee ha- Tennessee's had six head coaches in the last thirteen years. You mm-hmm. tell me, right? Good I mean, coach. guys. By the way, like it's not a. I, I kind of disagree with Tom as far as ability to win. I think you can win, but I don't know if you if it is quite as easy to win at the level that Tennessee fans and Tennessee boosters and admin believe you can. They have two conference titles in the last thirty years, and they were back to back on some really loaded teams in 97, 98, too. That's not a job that screams, hey, we just get the right guy in here. We're, we're going to be winning the SEC. It, it, it's it's not. It's hard to win there. North Carolina and Clemson are up as far as other teams within mm. your region that do a good job of poaching your players. Some of the guys that Tennessee used to get out of California, like in the Fresno area, Oklahoma now does a really good job of dipping in there and, and getting as well as you know, some of the schools in Texas. I, I just I worked on my little yellow pad here. I'm going to read off a list of schools that I think are either as good or better jobs. And let me know how many you disagree with. Bama, LSU, A&M, Auburn, Georgia, UF. Okay. Better That's job. An easy six in the SEC. I kind of think yeah. it's like seventh to ninth best in the SEC. USC and Oregon. Okay. Yeah. Clemson, Florida State, Miami, Virginia Tech, Louisville. I think there's some question Louisville. there, but you're going to get Louisville, paid. Louisville, I think you're getting on the same level. Okay. And North Carolina. Same pay, reasonable expectations, same access to talent. Texas, Oklahoma, Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan. Mm-hmm. And probably Wisconsin, because I don't think you're going to win a national title either, but you can coach for a long time at Wisconsin. You actually raise your kids there in Madison as opposed to, you know, what are you going to rent a condo in, you in, can, in, in Knoxville? Lane you Kiffin says your, yes. You can have <laughs> your first kid in Madison and then coach that same kid in Madison. That's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> I think Tennessee is somewhere between – like the 15th and 25th best job in the country. 
but even somewhere the, in that range, even if, all right. So if it's the 15th to 25th best job, if it's the 15th to 25th best program, it should be winning more. It's almost like a better job than it is a program. Yeah. I agree. Jeez. Mm, and that, that's why I think that's why I'm saying that's what I get. What I mean when I say this is a complete in total, tear it down and rebuild it and give the coach that you do hire support and time and don't two years into it or after the first rough stretch, start digging through dirt, looking for anything so you can move on and bring in somebody else. Um, how much leverage is Billy Napier going to have in turning down this job? Like think about all the other jobs he's already turned down. <laughs> like this is just, I mean, he's, <laughs> he must be getting everything he wants from like a university investment standpoint, right? Like if he's going to go and talk to South Carolina and if he's going to go in and he's going to talk to Auburn and Tennessee's going to want to talk and he's going to turn them down, then he's just getting like what, whatever like Nick Saban puts in place what Dabo puts in place, that whole thing where it's like, we need to be moving together. That is what I want to see. And I w- these are the things I want and I want you to fulfill them. And I, I don't know what that list looks like. I'm, I'm not in those conversations, but I have heard enough coaches talk about when they have that with everyone moving together, university administrators, athletic department, uh, from the AD all the way down, the boosters, when everybody's on the same page, you can get some stuff done. And I kind of feel like that's probably what Billy Napier is asking. And he still is not hearing that he's going to get that kind of commitment. And he probably won't get that kind of commitment from Tennessee, especially where it's at right now. Right? No, I, if I'm Billy Napier, Tennessee is not the job I want. No, I'm uh, waiting out a job in my own state. Mm-hmm. In Louisiana or in, right. Okay. Ooh. Just order a year or two. Yeah. yeah. Jeez. You get Icarus, man. That 2019 team <laughs> just whoo, fly that close, man. Uh, all right. So as we, as we start to um, move things forward, uh, this is just awesome. Bruce Feldman reporting that Peyton Manning will play a quote, big role in the next hire. Yes. <sighs> Content. I, I mean, I get it, but why? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, I understand that he's Peyton Manning and he is really the greatest player in your program history. And he's the, <clears throat> biggest name but but what does peyton manning know about coaching hires like what uh you know who peyton manning's nephew is who arch manning oh so potential number one overall player in his class tennessee gets things turned around a little bit who else do you trust but the guy hand selected by your hall of fame (laughs) uncle i mean that this is there's levels to this thing I mean, that's incredible. I mean, so like, so David Cutcliffe is going to leave Duke for Tennessee is what you're telling me. I don't, I don't think that's, I don't think that's how this ends. (laughs) I'm pretty sure. Um, And then uh, we've got, we've got a long road ahead of us. Like you, like you mentioned, bud, that it's, uh, it's going to be a content machine right here. Tennessee always is. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get together and, and we'll have our popcorn as we see things begin to unfold. Uh, any, any final thoughts either on Tennessee or the search Jeremy Pruitt before we get out of here? Well, here's a question I have for both of you. I'm, I'm assuming Kevin Steele is going to be the guy. If not Steele, who do you think the ideal candidate for this job is? Hugh Freeze. I mean, you have to eat it in terms of an, in the middle of NCAA issues, bring in somebody who has NCAA violations and scandal on his track record, but he wants it, right? I mean, doesn't Hugh... Yeah, Hugh oh, for sure he wants it. Hugh Freeze would say yes. Uh, and I think that you just, 
you you just dive all in and you say, you know what, we're we're selling our soul. We're going to bring in Hugh Freeze and he's going to score some touchdowns. I, I think uh, Hugh Freeze would be the guy if you didn't just fire this dude. I mean, we're, we're going to wait to see what Tennessee says for the reasons they fired him because that press conference is at 3 o'clock. But right. I think we all understand what went down here. If it wasn't for that reason, I think Freeze makes a heck of a lot of sense for the, for the gig. But there is that reason. I, I think you probably got to go in a different direction. Like yeah, Jay, I, Jamie Chadwell? See, I think Dave Clawson would be great for Tennessee. I don't think he's even on the radar. I don't think he'd be acceptable to the fan base as the hire. But I think Dave Clawson would be great. He had just I think one he's exactly OC what there. They need. Yeah, he was. It was the OC there for like just maybe one or two seasons. But I think it was at the end of Fulmer's run, mm-hmm. right before he got pushed out. So he's associated with all these teams that are falling short of expectations. But that that was a long time ago. I mean, you know. 15, 16 years ago, we've seen shorter memories from fan bases, right? Yeah, I I just feel like he's the type of coach they need to just fix things and at least get going in a good direction. Mm. I don't have any doubt that he would do well there. For I mean, for the most part, I I think he's a really good coach. We see him every week in the ACC, really out coaching guys who have more talent than he does. You can get players at Tennessee, but yet you're also going to be. How many teams on your schedule on an annual basis? Georgia, Florida. Mm -hmm. They are unfortunately, you know, they're unfortunate enough to draw Bama as their yearly opponent in the cross division rival, and so that, that's three games right off the top that you're going to have the talent disadvantage with on a yearly basis, and, and maybe a couple more. Um, the ability to out coach teams that have more talent than you is is important. I, do you take another swing at John Gruden though? Like I, I'm really hoping that they do because this is just <laughs> every time it is amazing. Rumors. I would do it for the content. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I don't. I, good luck pulling him away from that contract. Yeah, I mean, does he want to do it? I mean, is he no. unhappy with the Raiders? No, he's making no. what, what is his hundred million like, dollar contract? <laughs> okay. Oh man, Andy I, might be interesting. By the way, like if, if he if he's finally had enough in Stillwater, yeah. that would be an incredible exit for him after because he's had one or two flirtations with Tennessee, right? At, at least one. At least one. Um. Yeah, that would that would be incredible. Well, we'll we'll obviously uh, be dialed into it, and uh, and the content won't stop because Tennessee gives it to us every single time. It might be uh, between the fifteenth and twenty fifth best job. Might not be a top twenty five program in terms of success. Top five in terms of giving us stuff to talk about. You can follow him on Twitter at Bud Elliott three. You can follow him at Tom Finelli. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. This is Sandra Herrera from Attacking Third, a podcast part of the CBS Sports Golazo Network dedicated to all things women's soccer. With the NWSL expanding to 14 teams, the 2024 season promises to be bigger and better than ever, and Attacking Third will be along for the ride from start to finish. Before that, though, we'll be all over the CONCACAF W Gold Cup, where the U.S. Women's National Team is looking to clinch silverware on home soil. We'll also be keeping tabs on the Winter Transfer Window, the Women's Super League, the UEFA Women's Champions League, and elsewhere. Coming to you multiple times a week with game previews, recaps, analysis, breaking news, exclusive interviews, and more. Attacking Third is your one-stop shop for the best coverage of the women's game. Download, follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are found. 
make sure you subscribe to Attacking Third.